the, the thing is you 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 cannot run a business like a hobby if you expect to grow it to be a business where you can actually create some variation if not full-time freedom some variation of time freedom for yourself um, by setting up systems and structures to where you, you have a profitable business and, and it's and it's predictable instead of reactive you're being proactive uh, and that takes some effort podcast designed to help you change your mindset and your life. It is time for something new. Join host Dr. Shante Cofield, also known as the Movement Maestro, on a journey to see the bigger picture. Open your eyes. Find your passion and discover how movement unites us all. Let's get it popping. This is Maestro on the Mic. I'm the Maestro and you're about to get maestro Three, two, one. Hello, friends. Maestro here, and welcome back to another episode of Maestro on the Mic. Today, I got with me another repeat customer. I think maybe he might, I'm trying to think, he might be one of the people I've had on the most, and it's with good reason. Uh, I consider him one of my besties. He's absolutely the best in the business when it comes to sales and marketing for your brick and mortar PT facility. But we know sales transcends all all boundaries there. So if you're into sales, you're looking to learn about sales, you're looking to learn about marketing, this is the guy for you. I think the first episode I brought him on, uh, he talked about pornography uh, and selling wow. magazines. This man's been a salesman since day one. Yeah. <laughs> Welcome back to the show, my bestie, Dr. Danny Matei. Danny, thank you. Welcome. Thanks for having me on. I... Um... I really appreciate it. You know, the yes, for sure. I've, I've, so I've sold many things, uh, <laughs> and, uh, you know, physical therapy is, is what we're selling now. I, you know, I think the other thing too, is like you, I, at some point in time, we should just start our own little podcast together. I think it's, you know, we, we, we talk so frequently and they're so enjoyable that, uh, maybe that's a back burner project, you know, we'll, um, We'll we'll address that one day. Maybe that's like our retirement. Uh, I like that. Plan. Once I'm in the uh, beach house, I got more time, and your yep. kids are like in college, and you're not training for uh, EO3 fit things every other day. <laughs> then we can do yeah. it. People, because the feedback is always so good, Danny. They're like, there's always so many reposts and shares. Nice. Like, yeah. You know what I think? I think I think it would end up being like we would have matching adventure vans, you know, <laughs> and we would probably do it on the road. You know, maybe like uh, while we're hitting up national parks and uh, just do a little podcast series, you know, it, we'll see what happens. Like we have some time. Well, the sky's the future, right? The sky's the limit. <laughs> so Danny, I would love for you to, to chat a little bit about 2020. I mean, that's always the podcast topic for anything now, but good, really, really good things happened in 2020. And you get such a large sample size, which is what's really exciting mm -hmm. to me. Um, but can you fill us in on what you saw and what happened in 2020? For sure. You know, I, I think like many people, 2020, um, <clears throat> there was some really positive things and some really scary things, you know, that, it, that, it, that, it, you know, kind of came to fruition, uh, that year, the vast majority of it. I mean, it's all perspective, right? It's all the lens that we look at these things, but, um, you know, I, I for sure, like with, with the group that we work with, you know, we have, a, a you know, about a hundred 
businesses within our mastermind that are brick and mortar. Um, for the most part, there's a couple of them that are, that are, uh, that are virtual. Um, but typically they have a, some element of, of, uh, in person and, you know, no one really knew what to expect. Right. So first of all, we didn't know what the regulations were. We didn't know if we were going to be considered essential. We didn't know, you know, what kind of, um, uh, PPE we needed. Could we even get PPE? Mm-hmm. I mean, everybody's a mad scramble to get gloves, um, you know, uh, face coverings and Cavicide, right? So mm-hmm. like it, it was just, it, it was crazy. And for some people it was like, okay, well, should I be seeing people? Should I not be seeing people? What yeah. do, what happens with my kids? What ha- So there, there's a lot of things going on. And, um, I think the overwhelming kind of like emotion was just like, anxious, you know, fear, not, not knowing, but what was, what was probably more helpful than anything. And, um, I know I'm so thankful to have this group, even though, you know, it's, it's a business for us. It's, it's people that we really uh, get to know well and care about. And we have a, a really strong relationship with, um, and for them to all go through this together, I think was, yeah. w- was like a silver lining because I couldn't imagine being on my own and trying to figure out everything that, that we were, working to figure out with everybody, uh, in isolation, you know, in a single person cash practice like that, that would be, you know, really, really hard. So for the vast majority of our practices, um, you know, we saw them either close down or for the most part, close down and maybe just try to focus on uh, virtual stuff for, you know, probably a good solid four to eight weeks, some, some a little bit longer, depending on their, um, on their, on their state, um, in their area. Uh, I, what's been interesting is, the, the, the practices that are in bigger metropolitan areas definitely got hit harder yeah. and still to this day have a harder time. Yep. The, the practices that are in like, you know, the middle of nowhere in a Southern state, it was like, there wasn't a, a thing wrong. Right. So, it was, <laughs> it, and, and then they actually capitalized on it. So mm-hmm. we, we saw people in, you know, April, uh, May have PR months, uh, in smaller towns because hospital practices were closed down. People wow. were looking for one-on-one, mm-hmm. um, like less, less, uh, people in an, in a, uh, in an environment. So that one-on-one care became actually a huge selling point. And yeah, we saw people like saw, saw, see their revenue go up by 50% in some cases, uh, b- because of that. And it all had to do with just where they were located and it's just complete, you know, it's just luck mm-hmm. in a lot of ways. Yeah, it's yeah. just nothing they could do about it. They were just in the right place and the other people were in the wrong place. Um, practices that were in Manhattan, we work with a few practices yeah. that are in Manhattan, Chicago, DC area, um, I mean, just crazy, crazy shit, man. Even talking to like one of our guys um, who you helped out with Instagram the other day, he was telling me because when all this stuff happened at the Capitol, you know, yeah, his office is like right there. his office is a few blocks from yeah, the Capitol, right and there. he saw these uh, these buses with like all these these soldiers in it oh driving God. by like really fast, oh and he was God. like, "What the hell is going on?" <laughs> and you know, it's like just like, just crazy, just you know, crazy year. You know, if you really look at the you know, the last twelve months, basically. Um, and, uh, but, but, uh, yeah, overall we saw definitely people, you know, be shut down, um, vast majority of them, but we saw a huge bounce back for most people by about June. And what happened was the same thing where people were looking for one-on-one treatment. They were looking for, you know, more individualization, less people in an environment. And that was a huge selling factor. And we saw a lot of our practices bounce back to where they were at pre COVID by June and, and wow. much higher than that, typically, uh, by the. Uh, end of the summer, end of the spring, and December, which is is historically slow, was pretty 
solid for almost everybody because not as many people were traveling. So mm-hmm. it's kind of interesting how how it worked. Uh, it worked out. You know, we actually saw about a um, oh man, it was a two point seven million dollar increase in total gross revenue over the last uh, twelve months with the businesses that we work with. So it's not like they're <laughs> going backwards. Uh, they're they're are actually doing really, really well in hiring. And, you know, so I think in comparison to the traditional industry, uh, we're doing great. Can you talk, Benny, about the personality types? Because I think there's definitely going to be a, a common denominator there of people that when shit hits the fan, you know, you have different responses that people can be having. Oh my gosh. And did you see that? I'm, I'm assuming the majority of the people in in the mastermind are like similar in their approaches, similar in their in how they responded. Yeah. So, you know, it, it is interesting because I think it's the same as, uh, I mean, some people are a little bit more extroverted. Some mm-hmm. people are a little more introverted. Some people have better emotional con- control than others. Um, some people have just completely different scenarios that they're in. Right. So like some of them were, yeah. um, single, you know, mm-hmm. and that had its own, uh, benefits as well as negatives. Mm-hmm. Right. Like, I mean, I, I, I'm married. I've been married for a long time. My life you know, with my spouse and our kids didn't really change much aside from the fact that I got to see them more, uh, especially, I mean, see my kids a lot more. So, but, but, you know, we had people that were single and they were, you know, they ended up getting kind of depressed, yes. you know, cause like Very they're real. isolated and, you Very know, and, and so, yeah. And, and so a lot of people got puppies, you know, <laughs> as a, as a real thing. Um, but, um, no, I, I think the response was interesting. Some people, it was like, I mean, they were just, they were very stoic about it. They were, um, yeah, no, like I'll figure this out. You know, this, this is just a, a blip on the radar kind of thing. Other people just like freaked out and, you know, we're like, Mm -hmm. I'm going to, you know, I'm going to like just crazy stuff. Like I'm going to close down and I'm going to go join the whatever peace corps or something like that. I'm like, what dude, chill out, give yourself like a month. And, uh, let's see how you feel after that. Like you're, you know, you don't even know what's happening just yet. Nobody does. So I, I was pretty fortunate because where we're at, our, the CDC is only about two miles oh, from yeah. our office. So we actually work with a ton of CDC employees. When, oh, so yeah. at the whole time we're, you know, I mean, I work with people that are like, I mean, they're, they're like giving press briefings, right? Like mm-hmm. these are people yeah. that we, that we work with. So they were able to, they gave us a lot of information, which was helpful to share with people in, in the mastermind. And, um, you know, so we, as much of, you know, help as we could, could have given, but yeah. it was across the board, man. I think some people, some people freaked out. Some people were super level-headed. Some people looked at it as a great opportunity to spend time with their loved ones, I think is probably the best way to look yeah. at it. Um, and, um, you know, but, uh, but everybody sort of has different responses and, and, um, and how they were, how they responded, I think was really primarily based off of their context with how their business was doing, how much cash they had on hand. And we're very fiscally responsible. We try to get our businesses to be at um, six months of cash on hand from a business operating expense standpoint, which is very, uh, very conservative. You know, Mm -hmm. traditionally it may be one to six months is what people are looking at, but because a lot of people were striving for that, they may have been between three and six months they felt great. They felt like they were in a really good position. They didn't feel like they were going to, you know, go out of business. Um, the PPP loan was helpful for the people that had a business prior, you know, for a, a year before that. Um, the ones that were less than a year didn't get a chance to qualify for that, although they would qualify for PPP round two, which is going on right now. Um, so yeah, the fact they had, you know, their ducks in a row financially, I think was a huge silver lining for a lot of people and also proved to them why we tell them to do yes. that. We didn't know a pandemic was going to happen. We just, you know, we, we know shit happens yes. and it's better to have cash on hand in those scenarios. hundred percent. One of the biggest things. So folks, we'll, li- we'll link all the resources, of course, in the show notes. But 
one of the episodes I did was after crashing Danny's in-person mastermind at the ranch. And I don't know, two years ago, I don't, uh, time escapes me at this point. Uh, but it was still, I like 10 years literally, ago. I'm I, like, I have no idea how long, long it was. But that was the first yeah. time I had heard of Profit First. That was uh, one of the beautiful things they did that, that they did at that mastermind was like give you time to like do things and not just like teach, 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 teach. And I had already had a bunch of different accounts because that's how my brain worked. So I had set things up actually at that, at the actual at mastermind. I was like, oh, I can just rename this, move stuff here, and then automate this is how much is going to go in each time and set up weekly meetings with myself. All of this per Danny's guidance and um, Danny and Eve's and, and Jared's guidance at the mastermind. And that saved me. Like I had zero, I mean, it's just me. I didn't even have Rupert yet, but all of exactly what you're saying of having this cash on hand and having, you know, knowing exactly how much you have, having things saved up, zero worries, zero concerns for me during, um, you know, Corona. Also, like I'm not really in person with my business, so it was a lot easier, but that single-handedly saved me. So folks, we will link that episode um, and we will link both episodes with Sandy York, my uh, accountant who also preaches and practices all the profit first stuff and, just getting started saving today, even if it's one penny at a time. So yeah, super. Yeah, well, I think it's clarity, right? Like Jared, um, our business partner, describes it like flying a jet at night. So, you know, Jared was an F sixteen pilot, and he, um, you know, you're flying hundreds of miles an hour, right? That's and uh, what, what do you do? It's not like you have a big flashlight on the front of that thing at night, and you're, you know, it, it's it doesn't work that way. You're you're flying based <laughs> off of instrumentation and data, and you have to trust that data in order to make the right decisions so that you can safely you know, fly a plane like that. So, you know, we look at business very similar to, um, to flying a plane at night. Like you, you need to trust your data. You need to know what numbers you're looking at. Very, very few people actually track and know what they're, know what they're looking at because it it's uncomfortable Uh for them. Right. Like I don't think many people want to look at a profit and loss statement. I don't think many people want to sit down and calculate what their profit was for that month and make these allocations, um, and understand, how they should be paying themselves and and the tax implications of that, you know, in the liability side of it, on the insurance side, like all of this, people were probably falling asleep as we speak. But the <laughs> the thing is, you 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 cannot run a business like a hobby if you expect to grow it to be a business where you can actually create some variation, if not full time freedom, some variation of time freedom for yourself um, by setting up systems and structures to where you you have a profitable business and and it's and it's predictable instead of reactive. You're being proactive, uh, and that takes some effort and some work on the front end that I think just. You know, a lot of people shy away from until typically they have to have uh, a negative event that causes some, you know, some trauma, you know, some, some, some irritation on their side. Maybe it's a big yeah. tax bill at the end of the year they didn't plan for or something like that. And, uh, and then all of a sudden they're like, all right, I got to get my shit together and, yeah, but- uh, and, you know, have some accountability, which I think the thing that, you know, we, we strive for with that side of it really is forced accountability until it becomes a habit. Mm-hmm. So we're very good at, um, I wouldn't, we don't make people do anything, but we have so many people now that if you want to, you know, if, if, if you're not keeping up with the pack, um, you know, there's some peer pressure to do so in a really positive way. Cause yeah. we all want to kind of get everybody where we're trying to go. Uh, you know, so excuses don't really last too long, uh, in, in that environment. Yeah. It's so I like that forced accountability until it becomes a habit. Do you want to, I have two different directions I kind of want to go in with this, but I think it's a nice segue to continue with this. Um, because you've been talking about it on and off uh, on social media and stuff. When you do pop on there, stories are great um, with this idea of 
habit formation, stealing from comfort. You want to want to riff on that a little bit, Danny? Totally. So, uh, you know, I I think that the I, there's things that I've done that I didn't know there were sort of like terms for it, right? Where we sort of would uh, just put ourselves in uncomfortable situations to force growth. Um, this could be physically. This could be you know from from a from a learning standpoint. Um, this could be in, in many areas. Uh, of your life. I think, you know, you got a cat, right? I'm yeah. thinking about naming my truck Rupert, by the way. What? Um, yeah, well, it, the color is similar, you know, like, okay, okay, okay. It's yeah. super similar. I might do it. I'll let you know if I officially decided to name it. Uh, anyway, the, 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 the idea of like killing comfort is what uh, my business partner, Jared uh, talks about. And, and the book is awesome. Like if you guys want to learn more about this, he wrote a book called killing comfort. And the book really is this idea of, um, how do you uh, accomplish things over a long period of time? And it, it, the answer is not genetics. The answer is not luck. You know, the answer, it, it, it does help with certain things mm -hmm. that you can definitely be set up for success more so, but really the, the, the main factor comes down to how much work are you willing to put in over a long period of time and how much discomfort, how much comfort, you know, can you kill is what we talk yeah. about. Like, did you, this idea of like, did you kill comfort today? Right. Did you wake up early? Did you do your morning routine? You know, did you, uh, treat people the way you're supposed to and make decisions based on, uh, you know, what's right, not what's easy. Like, these are the things that we talk about that we teach that we constantly force ourselves to be, you know, to, to do as well, because we have to lead from the front, right? You can't, say one thing and, and, uh, do, do something else. But, um, you know, if you, if you look at uh, it, just history in general, there's so many people that from, you know, from the get go, were just mediocre and turned into, you know, uh, amazing stories. Mm -hmm. Uh, something like, like, uh, Teddy Roosevelt is a great example that Jared highlights in, in the book, right? You're talking about somebody that was a, a bullied, sick little kid and he physically, like would he had asthma, he would physically run until he would almost pass out to build his endurance up, you know, and he ended up, you know, wrestling and was one of the, you know, first people that really preached like mixed martial arts and, and, you know, essentially like killing comfort and, and, uh, and putting himself in physically uncomfortable positions, uh, which led him to be, you know, one of the, I, I guess, you know, strongest, uh, personalities as a president that, that we've seen. I mean, he got, you're talking about somebody that was shot in the chest, uh, they, they tried to assassinate him before he gave a speech. The only reason he didn't die is because he had his glasses in his pocket and the metal mm -hmm. frame caught the, uh, the bullet. He got, uh, sutured up and still gave the speech yeah. like that. That's insane. Mm -hmm. Uh, like that is a tough ass man. And you know, like it's, we're, we're all, you know, completely weak in comparison to that, uh, today. Uh, but it's just an example of, you know, somebody that didn't start like that uh, at all, but developed that over time. And in, and for us, we see so many challenges with the entrepreneurship side of things where you get challenged mentally, you know, the volume of hours that you have to put in the, the amount of rejection, uh, that you, that you get the amount of unknown that there is, if you can develop the resiliency to handle that it's so powerful in so many other areas outside of business it's going to help your relationships it's going to help your confidence level with dealing with other people in the world it's going to help you be able to do things that maybe you didn't think you could accomplish because you're gaining that confidence through this vehicle of entrepreneurship which for me is the greatest vehicle for personal development that i know um you know aside from maybe going in the military or having children like th those will definitely force you to 
change and improve, um, you know, or uh, it'll weed you out basically. So, you know, I, that's the way we look at it. Uh, and killing comfort is sort of the phrase that we use, which is, you know, coined by, by, by Jared. I don't take any credit for that. Can you keep going with this? And I realize you gave us, you just explained it and gave us some, I don't know, 30,000 foot view and, and some Roosevelt examples, but how do you, are there things that you say to the people that you're working with, the people that are in the mastermind that are just getting started and, or maybe they're not even just getting started. They've been started for a little bit, but they have like no traction and they're just like, I'm doing the things, but like, fuck, like, should I quit? Like, I mean, I see it in the digital space and people are just like, they don't, they want things to happen faster as well. Are there things that you say to these folks that maybe the ones that aren't just like, oh yeah, I'm going to keep going? Well, yes. I mean, it's interesting. We've seen there, there's, there's like three personality types. One is a, like a very outgoing, um, energetic person. Like we talked like about like a Tim Wu whenever Mm -hmm. you and I chatted last, right? Like somebody that's just like super passionate about what he does. He's going to be, people gravitate towards somebody like that. Um, so that's, that's a superpower in a lot of ways up front. Most people don't fall into that category. Most people are kind of in the middle, you know, they're Mm -hmm. a little bit more reserved, but they're not very introverted. Um, you know, and for them, they, they, they can, they can do it. Uh, They're not naturally going to go out and, and just like put on a show, but, uh, they can definitely get in front of people and, um, and sell themselves. The, the third group, this is what we, we have the hardest time with are very, they're highly analytical people. They're very, they're more introverted. They're, they are, um, planners. They're very detail oriented. Uh, they're slow to make decisions. Um, and for them, the challenge that they have is getting past in many ways, the, um, the, the stage of planning into the stage of doing mm-hmm. and, the stage of doing also puts them in a really uncomfortable position where you also end up, you know, getting rejected. There's not a single person that I know that started a business that hasn't had quite a bit of rejection occur where people don't want to work with them or somebody didn't work out the way they thought, or somebody didn't get an outcome that they wanted and they left you a bad review, or there was a miscommunication and something just didn't go that way. And then, you know, for them, their confidence teeters on, on, uh, you know, either just, completely dissolving and they go back to a job they don't like, um, you know, and barely having enough confidence to go on to the next thing. So they fall back on planning and planning and planning and they have these, you know, type, you know, plan a plan B plan C plan D and, but nothing really ever gets done. So what we found is the way that we structure, um, the coaching programs that we do, there's a massive amount of, uh, actual work, like, consulting work, like actual education and conversations and answering questions and getting them involved with other people. And this idea of forcing organization is a big part of it. Like in our mastermind, we have monthly accountability groups. Like you, you need to come to these. They're about two hours long. There's about six businesses in each of these. And we go through uh, set um, uh, key performance indicators that we want people to actually track and present. Mm-hmm. They have to present their business every single month and they have to say, here's what I'm working on. This is my goal. I need, I'm going to accomplish this by next month. Mm -hmm. And we track these things. And, you know, it's, there's a fine line between holding somebody accountable and making them feel bad. And what's, what's nice is when you have other people in the group that are all working towards things and they're all dealing with discomfort and it's motivating for you to do the same thing because you don't want to be that person that is just 
falling behind because you're not actually doing the things that you say you're going to do. And everybody, you know, and you get kind of deep into what's going on in relationships. And there's so many other factors. It's Mm -hmm. not just the business side that just come out. So, you know, these people are dealing with challenges as well. And I think that's a huge driving factor that helps them um, push forward. And once they push forward, like here's the, if you, if it sounds like you, if you sound like one of these people, don't get down on yourself because what we found is people that are, they fall into that, like natural salesman category, which, which I, I, I kind of fall in the middle. I don't really mm-hmm. fall towards the, this first person that we're talking about, but, um, the, the person that is like naturally going to grab people are going to gravitate to them. They tend to get, have a hot start, but they're really bad at organization and scale. Yeah. They, they, they're, that's not their superpower. Mm-hmm. The people that are very analytical, you, you get through that barrier of where you're just uncomfortable and you, you're able to handle it and get to the point where you can scale. You're one of the best business owners because you're very organized. You're very detail oriented. You're very cautious, you know, risk averse, all good things. Once you get to a stage where you're employing other people, um, and you're a much better leader typically because you are typically a little more sensitive to other people like that versus just like, Hey, just figure it out, you know? Yeah. And, and there's uh, that, that can be a challenge for those people. Whenever they try to scale past themselves, they have a whole nother set of skills that they have to learn. It's not just, you know, sales, sales, sales. I love that. I love that you highlighted kind of both there and the that second part there because it's definitely not me. I definitely lean more towards the Tim Wu side of things. I'm not quite as excitable as that young man. He has so much energy. <laughs> Timmy, you I know like I him. love you, Timmy. I'm sure he's listening like, you know I love you, Timmy. He listens to every podcast. Right? I think he listens to like three podcasts at, at the a same time. time literally. Speed. I don't know how he absorbs so much information. They're going all at the same time, Danny. One in one ear, one right. in the other. One's on the screen like this man and he's on his bike at the same time. Like, I love it's, it. Oh, for sure. <laughs> I love it. My man's killing it. So it's, it's nice to see like I kind of turn more towards that but then I love that you highlighted the fact that hey, here's the other side of this and the benefit there and when you can be a bit more analytical and you can be a bit more structured and organized with things if you're listening to this and you're like hey i fall into one of these other one of these categories this is when it starts to become really nice to not necessarily uh outsource things but to hire so whether that means that you are hiring in my case like a bookkeeper to keep because i don't want to do that shit i was like i don't like looking at these numbers i don't like tracking them so i have someone that does that for me and then presents them and then we could talk about these things and where it should be going and like obviously i can understand where, what it is but i'm not the person that's like i want to be putting this in and i don't get excited about that i have a person i work with right now uh, one of my clients and she her husband he's in the military he he he's like mr spreadsheet like i don't i've mm. never seen anything like this in my whole life danny and they're yeah. perfect because she is that super excitable get people in get people you know be the face of this thing and that's when you get this really really great match of like, hey, this is your superpower. This is it's my superpower. Uh, and this is, you know, what Danny was saying there, reasons to keep going. You get kind of past that first hump of things. And then it's like, hey, now I can work on these other things, hire like these other things. I love that. Yeah. And it's a, it's a, it's a group, you know, it's, it, it is a group that has a harder, <clears throat> excuse me, has a harder start, uh, has a hard time starting, but um, is, uh, it, it, it's not like a, a crutch exactly. or anything, right? It's not, exactly. it's not something that's going to necessarily hold you back. Um, it's something that can be a superpower, you know, once you get through, you know, certain, certain stages and, uh, and it's like to your clients, you know, point it's, I I'm very fortunate. I have a spouse that is a, a absolute natural operator. Like she's wow. yeah. great at organizing things. She's, uh, you know, she's really good at managing people. And, you know, if you look at, um, 
couples like that, like that can be amazing, but you can't, you're not always married to somebody like that. Mm -hmm. So finding people that love doing the things that you're not good at, like there's no reason you should do bookkeeping, right? I mean, the the cost is so minimal for somebody to do such a better job um, that, and it's going to save you so much time and frustration. It's like, just, you know, what's your time worth? What's your energy worth? And find those people that are, they love doing the thing that you hate uh, and get them involved because it's just going to make your business run more efficiently, but also it's just going to make your life way better. Danny, can you keep going with that? Because I think I know that there's some hesitation from people to outsource things, whether they're like really frugal or they're like, but I can sure. do it or I don't trust people. What do you say when yeah. if you come across these people? I think you, you hear all those things, yeah. right? Like, well, why would I hire somebody to do this when I could just do it myself? Well, why would I do this if I just, I'm, I'm going to mm-hmm. have to train this person. I might as well do it myself. And these are, these are true. These are true for sure. Like if you hire somebody, you have to train them to some, to, to some degree. And at, initially it's going to be less efficient, but that's a short period of time that then you're going to get all of this free time with somebody that's going to be able to implement these systems and processes, whatever you want them to do. Like I get a lot of pushback from people about getting administrative help, um, in their practices. Right. So like, I don't I don't want to hire admin. I don't want to hire admin or an office manager or whatever. It's always like that. And then the funny thing is, you know, three months after they hire an admin and they do, they do a good job hiring somebody and they do a good job training them up. They're like, what did I, what did I do before that? You know, like I can't imagine doing all these other things. And it's because now you're leveraging your, your, your time to what is the most productive, right? So like, if you, if you can take this in the sense of like a, a, a visit, right? I think this probably just as makes the most sense is let's say, let's say a visit with you and a a cash rate is $150 and you're paying a bookkeeper, let's say $150 a month to manage your books. So that person, if that person can take the things off your plate that allow you to either uh, do more marketing to get more people in or to actually see an additional one visit, you're net neutral and you get to get rid of something that you hate. And the 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 bigger cost is the cost on your attention and your energy. That. Because when you're doing these things that you dread, first of all, you're going to push them off. So you're going to delay. People that hate bookkeeping, they won't do it for months. And then it, it becomes so frustrating because it's such a behemoth of an undertaking because you haven't stayed on top of it that you push it off until the end of the year. And then at the end of the year, you're like, shit. And then you sit down for an entire day and you're miserable the whole day. And you're, you know, you're, you're just like uncomfortable the day before because you know that you have to do this thing. So now you've lost that on two full days of some shit you could have been doing when you just found somebody that actually outsourced that to you. So, you know, this idea of like, uh, figuring out how to do things versus figuring out who already knows how to do that, I think is probably the biggest paradigm shift we see people, people make. Um, and, and, and that speeds things up, that collapses time. It allows you to really focus on the things that you're uniquely good at um, and then bring other people into your ecosystem that can really help and, and support that. Like we have a, a lady we work with who's just a badass in uh, Abilene, Texas. And she, huh. she was telling me about her, um, her uh, admin she just hired. Her admin was a, a furloughed uh, uh, flight attendant who uh, is also a CrossFit coach. She works a lot with CrossFit athletes. Um, great people skills, very organized. I'm like, this is this person is going to be a force multiplier for your business. Like they're going to bring people in. They're going to make your customer experience better. They're going to help you organize things. They're going to take a lot of stuff off your plate. Like 
why would you not hire this person? Your business is going to be better for it. But what they look at is like the salary. Oh, well, I'm paying this out. Mm -hmm. You don't, you're not calculating the return on that. And people are assets like employees, team members, they're assets. They're not liabilities because they're helping improve the business. They're getting your time back. They're adding revenue. It's never bad if, unless you just, you know, hire a, a terrible like hire. Yeah. In that case, it can be a huge waste of time, but that's where a good hiring process, vetting people, understanding what you're looking for, and what roles they're filling, and then training them. Like the biggest mistake we see is people are like, fine, I'll hire somebody, but then they don't train them uh -huh. to do anything. They just like, they're just like, okay, you figure it out. That's lazy. <laughs> don't do that shit. That's super lazy. What if that was you? What if you got hired and somebody was like, okay, figure it out. How would that make you yeah. feel? Would you want to stick around or would you have turnover? Would you leave and find something else? Like people want structure, but they don't want to be micromanaged. That is actually a really difficult thing to tightrope. So, so, so good. I think you nailed it there where people understand like the tangible nature of money. So they're like, this is an expense and money's going out, but because they can't, even though you can measure time, but some of it's like these lost, these little leaks and cognitive yeah. leaks that go on that aren't as directly, you know, can't, is not as easily uh, measured. They're just like, but I, I, we're so risk averse. So many people are loss averse rather. They're like, but I'm losing this. And until yeah, and it's all perspective, right? I mean, like, not to cut you off. Sorry. No, the, no, no, no. uh, it just makes me think of my grandfather. Like I talked to my grandfather the other day, he's 96. So my grandfather, you know, he, he 30 years in the Navy, he was in world war, uh, two, he was in the Korean war. He was like, he did all kinds of crazy shit. Like for a year he was on a, um, he was crew chief on a, on a, a plane that basically was just spying on the Russians out of the Mediterranean. Like he, my grandma didn't even know her, where he was at. And you know, that, that was sort of towards the end of his, uh, tail end of his career. And I, I called him the other day on his birthday and, and I just, I just like chatting with him. And my son was, was, uh, asking him a bunch of world war two questions or whatever. And, uh, and I was like, you know, what's, what was, uh, what was the best thing that you did? You know? And, and he goes, he goes, the best thing I did was, uh, was in 1955. And I was like, what, what happened in 1955? He said that was the last year, uh, where he was sort of like, um, still in the military, but was, uh, what was not, um, being shipped out, you know, on a, on a boat or was doing any of these other missions or whatever. And he said that year he was home for dinner every single night, like didn't, didn't miss it. And, and what's wow. funny is that wow. didn't have anything to do with money. Didn't have anything wow. to do with notoriety, ego, these, these cool things you think you would say it, it was because he was home with his kids yeah. and, you know, and, and, and that was what he valued more than anything. So time yeah. is, is incredibly valuable. It's just a matter of perspective. Right. And like, how much you have of it and when it gets taken away or when it's, uh, I guess, forced to be taken up by other things, then I think you can appreciate it. And until you can, uh, it, it's hard to value it um, at the, at the so level true. that it should be valued. So, 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 so true. How has time been, and you, you said it a bit earlier, but how has time been for you with, how's it been with being home more and like not taking the kids to sports and stuff? Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, it's interesting. I, I think you don't realize how busy you are mm -hmm. until things get, get paused, right? Like, um, the, I, that's kind of way I look at last year was sort of like this great pause yeah. for so many people. And, um, yeah, I mean, just like many people, like our kids are active in, in, in sports, extracurricular stuff, uh, their school, their friends, right? Like all these, you know, little birthday parties and play dates and all this stuff. And, um, you know, when, when that all stopped and our kids went virtual, they, they still are virtual. Like they actually go back a week on a week off starting, starting next week. But you know, then we'll roll right into the summer and they'll be home. So, I mean, honestly, 
it won't be full time. I mean, maybe the beginning of next school year, but um, we, we've we've really honestly enjoyed it for the most part. I think the frustrating part is the during the day part with virtual school and, um, you know, managing that. And Ashley's really takes the brunt of that, you know, mm-hmm. so she's a saint for, for all the, the, the things that she takes care, she takes care of, which allows me to really focus on, you know, the businesses that, that we have. And, um, that, that is, I think, frustrating to micromanage a child on zoom. That's in first grade. Yeah. It's really hard, so hard, <laughs> mentally draining. Um, but, the silver lining from that, the thing that I think we like so much is like, even though they're home, I mean, I've had lunch with my kids basically every day for close to a year. It's amazing. And I don't know if that's ever going to happen again, mm-hmm. right? Like, I don't think it will. Um, so I've really enjoyed it. I've enjoyed being able to, you know, have more time with my kids, have more time with Ashley, you know, like yeah. Ashley and I uh, are busy as well. And you know, we're, we're constantly around each other, constantly around our, our, our kids. Um, and, and it's been, it's been awesome. Like I really, I, I kind of don't want it to go back to, to, to normal. I don't think it will ever go back to exactly Mm -hmm. like it was for us, at least like we found some things that we really value, but, um, you know, having a balance there will be, will be really nice with, it's going to be able to appreciate the kids coming home a lot more whenever they are at school. You know, I'm going to look forward to kind of hearing about their day and, uh, not just like, you know, trying to deal with a tech issue with, you know, Google drive or whatever. And, and somebody else can maybe, maybe do that. And I get to enjoy the the fun stuff, but, um, it's, it's, it's been just awesome. I, I've, I know there's a lot of negative things that have come from what's happened, but I think we've been able to really, you know, um, come together as a family more and, and we spent a lot more time together. And so it's something I absolutely appreciate. And, and, uh, uh, I look, I think I'll look back very much in a, in a fond light, uh, on, on 2020 and, and everything that it, that went on and what it allowed us to do at least with our, our family. Oh, that's so good. What about the business, Danny? So few folks listening again, I've had Danny on a million times, but if you don't know, Danny still has a brick and mortar. So he's not like teaching and coaching from theory. Like he's still running a practice. Uh, what's what, what happened with that? How's that going? The practice is good. You know, it was sketchy as hell there for, um, you know, honestly, March and April, super sketchy because we don't know what to do, but we talked, we talked to our staff. We told them, we we're like, look, um, supposedly there's going to be some government, you know, um, programs. We don't, we're not banking on that. Um, we practice what we preach as well. We had a lot of cash on hand. Um, we're very, you know, fiscally sort of, uh, you know, conservative when it comes to that with our business. And uh, we told them, we were like, look, even if you're not working, you're, we're not going to let you guys go. We're not going to put you on unemployment. Like we, you're going to get the same paycheck you always do. There's going to be some other things we may have you do, you know, you know, obviously working remotely. Um, and our, our staff was awesome. We actually were pretty fortunate, uh, honestly, looking back because uh, we had a, we had a staff member that was full-time with us that um, actually left to go uh, to start his own business. Mm. And he did that at the end of February. So February was his last month. So he, he went to go to start his own, start his own business. And what it did, it actually like cut our overhead down at, at, at just the right time, honestly. Um, and, uh, you know, Jake, who's, who's, uh, uh, was, was our, um, most senior staff clinician that's, that's with us. He was amazing. Like, you know, we built out digital programs. We worked on different initiatives. Some of the stuff didn't work at all. Some of it was, was awesome. Like, um, you know, we still have a huge element of our business with, uh, remote programming. Mm-hmm. Uh, we initially were doing some of it ourselves, but we brought on a strength coach that is virtual. 
um, so that has added a lot of recurring revenue to our business that is completely digital um, and has, has given us another exit strategy for uh, for clients that are being, uh, you know, kind of ending their plan of care. So, you know, overall, um, I think it's put us in a much better position as a business. We're, you know, we're, we're at a place where we were able to hire again in, um, I, I believe it was September, October, wow. uh, brought another staff clinician on. Yep. He's, he's amazing. Like we, we, we actually didn't think we'd be able to hire him because he was moving down from uh, Washington, DC. And we were going to need to hire faster than that. Cause like oh. when we had the first conversation, it was January. We already had our other staff member and we were maxed out and we need to hire somebody in March. So, um, we didn't think we'd actually be able to wait on him. And it turns out actually the timing was perfect. So, you know, it's, it, it's, it is what it is. Like things worked out for, um, for the best, honestly. Uh, it was absolutely scary as hell. It's the most scary business time, uh, time that I've ever experienced. <clears throat> Not so much for us. Cause I think that, you know, we, we have multiple businesses like Ashley and I are like, we're not in a normal position for, we, we have been doing this for a long time. Mm -hmm. And, and, uh, uh, we, we're in a pretty solid position in terms of like financial freedom, essentially. Uh, so we were actually really more concerned about our staff and we wanted to make sure that they didn't feel, uh, a ton of anxiety and stress around this because they're good people. They didn't do anything wrong. Um, you know, this was something that we we're going to figure out, even if it just, you know, took a, took a little while and, um, yeah, we're, we, we bounced back really well. I mean, we're, we're hoping to hire again, um, here in the spring and bring another, bring another person on, but we really like the digital side too. I mean, I think that's the biggest thing we learned from it was just the value we can provide in other ways, um, outside of just like one-on-one, -on -one, you know, work, uh, mm -hmm. forward facing work. There's so much more there, um, that, that we learned about that we built, that we systemized. And uh, it will be a huge part of our business, you know, going forward. Can you keep going with that? You did a perfect segue. I kind of had like an idea in my mind of what I wanted you to talk about. And you were like, right to it. You said you brought on somebody else, uh, brought on a strength conditioning person. They're doing stuff remotely, helping you out with that yep. side of things. What did you see people doing or coaching people through doing um, during 2020 and like obviously leading into now that that worked out? Because when, when I did the podcast with you, we will link that in the show notes, by the way, folks. We did a podcast last week. Um, we talked about that. You kind of mentioned that you were like, I'm not sure if telehealth was like the best and there's other options. What have you seen working? Yeah, you know, you're, it's funny because you, what you said was spot on where you were like, everybody did a Facebook or like an Instagram or yeah. Facebook Live like every day. every day for like a month. <laughs> I was like, whoa. <clears throat> Maybe a month, right? And um, so, yeah, I saw this mad, you know, mad dash for... Um, just to telehealth, right? And I think mm -hmm. that if you're just in a traditional practice, that's probably all you know how to do and and probably all that you could even think of. Um, but you know, in the digital space, I mean, I've 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 been doing digital business now for like six years. Yeah. You know, I mean, I I I originally started with just putting together some um self-treatment programs that we ended up eventually licensing to the to the ready state. And before that though, I was marketing and selling these things myself that were um, <clears throat> templated like six week programs for different injuries. So, you know, you learn a lot of things the hard way when you do that. And, you know, I've, I've, I've tried like, uh, membership sites and high ticket stuff and like all kinds of stuff. So when we went into this, we went into it with at least some assumption of what not to do, which is good. And I think the thing that, uh, everybody thought they were going to do, which in most cases didn't work out well was a low, low ticket, um, uh, membership site or like mm -hmm. membership program for training. And it sounds great in theory, right? Like it sounds like, oh yeah, if I just charge $25 a month, like 
you know, if I find a thousand people, I'm going to make $25,000 a month. Like it's, if I yes, find a math, thousand people, <laughs> the, the, the math does work out for, for sure. Right. And look, I mean, uh, my, my business partner, Jared, like he owns garage gym athlete. I mean, you're talking thousands of mm -hmm. athletes that he works with. Um, but I know that I know how difficult that business yes. model is firsthand, uh, you know, from, from him, as well as having done variations of that ourselves, And it's really hard. So we actually decided um, that what we were going to do was actually have a higher, um, higher price point, uh, for, uh, for, for, for training essentially for remote training and, uh, and be able to deliver something that was, you know, customized, but also had accountability and, you know, coaching involved with it. Mm -hmm. Um, and what was nice was, you know, we were able to do, like a founding member option with that and get, get, uh, people in to prove, uh, prove the concept out, out the gate. And, um, and then brought on a, on a digital, uh, strength coach who's amazing, uh, does a, does such a good job with people. Um, the, our retention rate is really, really high primarily because of, you know, just how responsive he is. And I wouldn't say his, I mean, he's a smart coach, but I think his programming is, is, you know, very similar to, to many people that know how to program, mm -hmm. you know, it's not like, uh, um, I look at it and, I, and I'm like, oh, this is a Leonardo da Vinci of programming. Like it's, it's just, it's programming, but there's somebody that cares about you. That's following up with you. That's making sure that you're actually doing it. And, uh, it's individualized to you based on what access to equipment you had. So one of the big selling factors we found was, you know, if you can tell us what your goals are and you can tell us what you have, even if it's very minimal, we can build something out for you to help you achieve mm -hmm. those goals. And that was a, a, a huge, um, a huge selling factor. So, you know, we, we ended up, um, you know, getting pretty close to maxing his schedule out, uh, in terms of number of people he can, he can work with. And it's a great discharge strategy for us awesome. now with people. Um, I mean, I had a guy the other day, uh, that is, a I think I told you about this guy. He wants to do like do, do oh, jujitsu yeah, yes. with his grandkids, right? He's like, yeah, I want to, I want to roll with my grandkids. And I was like, cool dude. Well, why are you benching and deadlifting only mm -hmm. like, and doing curls. Like all you do is curls, bench and deadlift. It's like, you train like a powerlifter, but you want to, you want to do jujitsu. It's yeah. like completely different training methodology, man. You're doing nothing unilaterally, you're doing nothing anti-rotational. And, uh, he was like, yeah, I don't know what to do. And I go, yeah, I got you, dude. Like we got somebody that can help build that out. And he's a lifer. This guy will never leave. Like he loves it. That's his awesome. sport, you know, performance improved his hip doesn't hurt anymore, you know, and like all these things that he was working with us for. So I think if you can provide value for people to help them achieve the goals that they want over a long period of time, you're, you're going to be able to have a really solid, uh, digital offer for that. And it can be in a, minute, a number of different ways, you know, it just depends on your niche and, and what you're, um, what you feel competent with. And if I can give anybody any advice it would be prove it, um, deliver it yourself and then find somebody else that can fulfill mm. it so that you can have, you know, a, essentially additional revenue stream that's non-active, um, as part of the business. And, you know, it just get to a certain point where if you're doing everything, you're going to start to like, kind of not want any more new business. Yeah. And, and then it's, and there's no scale there. So definitely finding somebody that can fulfill on what you're proving that, that works is, is, is huge, uh, is a huge part of, um, of growing that element of the business. And that can take time. I think people hear it. And for many people, they're like, there could be a knee-jerk reaction of like, but I want to do it. And I was like, great, then keep doing it. Keep proving that it works. Keep getting the reputation. And then when you're ready, then do what Danny just said. You, and the, look, the longer you do it, the harder it's going to be to get anybody to work with somebody besides you yeah, as well. So I think that that's, that's the other sort of thing that you see is face. like, and, and you may love doing it. So look, if you love doing programming, then by all means, like program uh, for, for people. Um, but there's always going to be some sort of 
like threshold that you'll hit. There's some cap you're going to hit where you just don't have any time bandwidth left and you kind of start to dislike the thing that you like so much, you know, cause you, if you get too much of it, like if, if I, let's say I love chocolate ice cream, but if I eat chocolate ice cream for every meal, uh, for every day, you know, at a certain point, I'm going to be like, dude, I can't have another damn bowl of chocolate ice cream because it's the only thing you're doing and you start yeah. to dislike it. So same thing happens with hot, too much volume with seeing patients, too yep. much volume with programming, yep. too much, basically anything. That's where burnout I, I feel like comes from not having enough variance totally. in utilization of your skills. Totally. Totally. And we're seeing that a ton or I am seeing that talked about on social media and it's interesting to me. And I think that you nailed it and brought something out there that people aren't necessarily taking into consideration is like how much variance is there because when you do get to do different things i found i mean something like working out not that you're doing a million different things but enough that it keeps things fresh and exciting in these other areas but when you're doing the same thing over and over and over again like that is just a recipe for burnout yep do you think um and i'm cognizant of the time here but it's like one or two more questions here yeah, yeah, yeah. You, I, I got as much time, any as much time as you need. You're, you're, you get, you got, uh, you got it all. <laughs> My man, uh, you said <laughs> with the programming that that the strength and conditioning coach is doing, and then you mentioned the 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 businesses that you're working with, the people in the mastermind, and the word you use is personalization, and that people were wanting this one to one. Like, yes, in some of the smaller towns, like the um, hospitals and such, had closed, but in general, we were, you were seeing that. Yeah, people were liking that they had the one-on-one attention. They could have things more personalized, more customized. And then you're doing this virtually now with someone else is doing it, but yeah. um, that's happening. Are you seeing a trend towards more of that? Because I think, you know, when people are like, yeah, I'm going to get a thousand people. If you get a thousand people, you're not personalizing everything. Um, yeah. Are you seeing that that's where things are headed? Well, I, I think you kind of have to choose, right? Mm-hmm. Um, or you can have a, you can have a tiered option, right? Like mm-hmm. so, let's say you wanted to do like, okay, here's my blanket program. But if you wanted a lot more, you know, individualization, if this is what it costs. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I'm a big fan of um, getting people outcomes. Yeah. And it's very hard to get people outcomes um, with with very low ticket stuff. Yeah. I mean, you, you will have it, but it's going to be people that are highly motivated to implement yeah. and do things. And that's, that's a small percentage of the population. So, you know, when I ask myself, like, uh, which, which option would I rather have, right? Like, would you rather work with, um, let's call it 50 people and, you know, make, I don't know, 12 grand, you know, doing that a month, or would you rather work with, you know, 250 people and make the same amount of money? Yeah. Um, you know, for, for me, I always choose, um, I choose less people because I know that I can, um, get them a better outcome by holding them accountable, uh, more so and having actual relationship and, and coaching, um, you know, with, with those, with those folks. So, uh, there's, there's definitely different ways to go about it. The, the thing too, with, uh, with the more individualized approach in some ways, it's not, it's sure. It's not as scalable as like a, a $25, you know, membership mm-hmm. times, you know, 10,000 people or whatever. But the likelihood that you're going to be able to do that is pretty damn low. Yep. You know, like no, I, 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 like I say, I know people that have thousands of people on their membership sites and I can tell you there's some really interesting problems that that develops in its own right. And 
you know, I have a business that's, that would be considered more of like a higher ticket, uh, business. Both of our businesses are like that where it's, it's more expensive, but it's less people and it's more, um, it's, it's more like support. Yeah. And, you know, most of the time you're going to see a dramatic difference in outcomes in people that are going to have support and accountability. I mean, that's, yeah. a, that's a huge part of it. So, um, it's easier to sell as well. I think that's the other thing is like, I can sell, you know, uh, I can sell a package of like performance work and, and visits with like programming and stuff. I can sell a $2,000 package easier than I can sell a $25 a month membership. Seriously. Mm-hmm. Like it's cause, cause I'm going to have a conversation with those people. Mm-hmm. The sales process is going to be longer, but those people are looking at like, Oh, one more, one more membership, yeah. you know, like, and it's only 25 bucks, but like at a certain point, the drop off, here's what you're going to see the drop off your attrition, you know, and, and, uh, your, your churn rate churn, essentially yeah. when people are leaving in, in, in low ticket, things like that typically is going to be around month two to three. And if you're doing higher ticket things, you know, we'll see people stick around on average for, you know, well over a year, in mm-hmm. some cases, 18 months, um, with, with some of these, uh, other training programs. So I'll take that all the time because you're not having to find as many new customers. So there's a lot fewer kind of like frustrating problems to deal with, but, um, you know, it's, it's just, I don't just, I don't think it sounds as cool. You know, everybody <laughs> wants the headspace app or whatever that's worth a yeah. billion dollars. Mm-hmm. And, and that's definitely there. If you, if you, if you want to do that, go, go for it. Um, I just think it's a, it's a more simplified business model. It's a more profitable business model in many ways. Um, and it's just what we've, you know, found success with. And so we typically teach people, uh, and it's always funny when people try to go the other way and they're like, no, nah, I'm going to do this. I'm gonna do this membership. Mm-hmm. And, and after like six months, we're like, this sucks. Nope, exactly. like, I'm not doing this anymore. Exactly. You nailed it. I love that you present all of that, of that you know, argument, if you will. I see so much of it and people are like, cause they think it's passive. And I'm like, there's nothing passive about a membership. You have to keep these no. people in and they got to find more yeah. people. There's nothing passive about it. Well, they all. also feel, um, they, they, they feel entitled to, to get like as, much support as somebody paying $300 a month, you know, and, and, um, they're in many cases, they're, they're, they're just, it's easier to work with people that are paying you more because they value your time more. And, uh, and and there's, there's less of a, uh, there's more of a relationship there. So there's more of a respect factor. So, you know, and it's, it is what it is like people, I think the reason they don't do it is because they don't know how to sell. Mm -hmm. They don't feel comfortable selling. And if they did, then they would choose that option because, they can see less people and make more money and have less problems to deal with. But the linchpin is you have to, you have to call another human being or talk to them in person and understand how to frame a conversation to where they see value in what you do and then agree to pay for it. And I think that gives most people a lot of anxiety. So they would rather put up a, you know, a landing page and try to put up some slick copy and some videos or whatever, and then let them check out because the sales process is, is automated and they don't have to deal with any of that discomfort. No. And then they have something to blame when it doesn't work. Like, yeah, is- yeah. Oh, oh, it's because my page didn't convert well <laughs> exactly. enough. It's like, yeah, okay, okay, dude, that's what it is. <laughs> speaking of, it's a good segue, Danny. Speaking of uh, getting on the phone with a human and selling yeah. things and sales, what do you got? What do you, what, how can people learn this from you? Oh my gosh. This is our, this is like my favorite topic. Um, you know, with just sales in general. So, you know, for, for, for us, um, sales is something that I feel like uh, we've, we've been able to take a really, you know, deep dive in as far as, um, as far as like cash based clinical, um, selling goes Mm -hmm. now. I mean, the same thing would apply sort of over the phone, the same frameworks apply, but, um, 
you know, for, for us, our primary vehicle to kind of upgrade this is a, a coaching program we have called a cl our clinical rainmaker program. And for, and for us, it's based off this concept that, you know, you come out and if you think about a pyramid on the bottom of the pyramid, you're, you're just a staff clinician, right? So you're, you're the, you're the bottom, you're, you're just a fulfiller. Um, and after that, you know, if, if you do a good job and you get promoted, I guess, you know, you get, you get to become a director, which means you still, you're still a clinician, but your area of emphasis as a clinician, your area of emphasis is on like clinical skills, you're trying to become a better clinician. So, and that's only worth a certain amount of money. Like you have to keep in mind, it don't, it's really only going to probably make you, you know, uh, be able to generate about 60 to maybe $120,000, maybe more depending on your area. But if we give you know, just sort of like a generalization, uh, 60 to maybe $120,000 a year as a staff clinician. And you, and if you're doing like over six figures, you're probably like PRN home health, something like that. Um, where, where you're, you're doing something that most people don't want to do. So yep. normally you're going to get paid more for the stuff that nobody wants to do. Nobody wants to take somebody off the bedside commode. So like, they got to give you more money to do that. And to go up, then you become a director. So you're a clinic director. So you're still clinical, but you're working more on mentoring other people and managing people. Yep. That's a more valuable skill to a business owner. That business owner is going to have to pay you more. So you move up, right? So maybe you're somewhere between, you know, 80 and 150, somewhere in that range. So your, your floor is higher, your ceiling is a little higher, um, you know, and, and, uh, and that's like the most you can expect to make in that position. This is where people typically get frustrated and they're like, now what the hell? Like, why am I not, why can't I make more? Why, why I, I mean, I've got a hundred thousand dollars in debt mm -hmm. or more from student, student loans. And, you know, you may not, your annual salary might not even equal what you end up paying to get your, uh, your, your degree. And in well, many cases, not even close exactly. for some people. Exactly. So the next stage from that is what we call a rainmaker and a rainmaker is somebody that understands how to sell and drive business into a business. Now, a rainmaker it, across all industries is incredibly valuable because there's not many people that can do that. If you can bring business into another business and sell effectively, especially at higher ticket things between, in our case, between one and $3,000 um, from, from a package standpoint, you're incredibly valuable to another business. But in our, our, in our sense, we try to get people to become clinical rainmakers for their own business. So teach you how to actually learn the skill of bringing people in and, and selling so that you can have essentially no ceiling on, you know, what your income threshold is, but be able to leverage the right skills with the clinical skills you've already developed. Uh, and just working more on clinical skills, isn't what's going to get you there because you have to understand the other side of it. If you want to be able to generate income for yourself, be self-employed and eventually become a business owner when you bring other people into the mix. So the clinical rainmaker for us is our, it's our three month coaching program where we take a deep dive into sales and marketing. We show you how to get clients, both, you know, online as well as, um, in-person local marketing, um, all things that are vetted from our mastermind. So this is a trickle down from our mastermind. So we have, you know, hundred businesses. We're constantly testing and refining things with, we took what's best from the marketing and sales side of that. And we put it into a framework where people that were just starting people that had, you know, maybe a side hustle or their practice really wasn't where they wanted it to be, um, could learn how to actually upgrade the sales and marketing side. Um, of their business or, and, and in many cases, just learn how to start a business. Cause we have people that are just starting and uh, that's a big part of it for them, uh, for them as well, but they still need to learn those, those skills of sales and marketing. And what we see has been really cool, you know, seeing people go from, 
you know, a side hustle that's making three grand to then, you know, they're full-time in their business within three months, making 15 to $20,000, uh, because they were learning how to actually leverage these skills. Some people like, they don't even know where they're at, where they're starting They go from like nothing to a side hustle where they're making two, three grand yeah, a month. Awesome. Now they know they have the beginnings of like whatever they want to turn it into in a short period of time, you know, anywhere across that, um, that spectrum. So for us, there's a right way that we found there's a wrong way that we found. And if you learn how to sell in a, uh, ethical way that mm -hmm. makes you feel good, you feel good about that, that interaction makes that person feel good about that interaction. It's such a win-win because they're committing to solving a problem. You're getting them to buy in, uh, to your plan of care and your prognosis to solve that problem. They get a better outcome. They send more people your way. They rave about your business. And it's this, this like, you know, flywheel of constantly positive things coming back in the business based off a skill set that you didn't learn in school, you know? And for Love us, it. you know, we've had 3000 plus patient interactions at our practice. We've taken new grads and had them be able to sell packages 70 plus percent that are between two and $3,000. Like it's, it's a repeatable system, um, that, that is, that works if people implement it and, and really work on their, on the right thing. So it's been really cool to, to see that because historically our mastermind is where we did most of the work. And, um, you know, that's a big commitment for people, uh, time financially, like many things, you know, this is a much, uh, uh, easier digestible sort of like course, uh, and coaching program. Cause it's actually coaching. Like it's one-on-one -on -one coaching group coaching and all the resources that we have. And, uh, that's, that is hard to, it's hard to organize. It was very hard for us to organize. We're like, man, these people need a mentor. They need to talk to somebody that's grown past themselves in a cash setting. If they really want to get their questions addressed, like they need to hear what other people have to say. They, they need to have these interactions and they need to have it every single week. So we're tied to certain times. You know, we have an amazing coach named Courtney who's out in Wichita, um, who leads the, the one-on-one -on -one oh, part of that's it. That's awesome. Um, what's that? That's awesome. Yeah. Uncle, uncle C, we call him uncle, yeah. uncle Courtney, he's the man. And, but like, it's, it's great because like, I think our, our profession is risk averse and they want some handholding and being able to do that and structure that. I mean, as far as I know, we're the only ones that actually have it set up to where there's, there's that mixture of uh, support that we have. And there is a reason why our success rate is so good with these people is because, you know, we show up for them just as much as they're showing up for us. And it's, you can't automate it. You know, you can't just buy something and implement it yourself. There's plenty of ways for us to make more money easier. And we decide intentionally not to do it because uh, it's about outcomes. It's about people getting the results they want and ultimately helping more people get the results they want. Like that's, that's right. it. That's what it comes down to is you're a great clinician. See more people by understanding how to do the business side and getting them in your office. Then you can actually help them live, live a longer, more impactful life as well. Which is what everyone is looking for at the end of the day. You know, it's it's awesome because PT attracts this person that like wants to, just wants to help people, but that's like also some you know, for many so becomes their detriment because they're like, but I just want to help people, and then you're like, but you have no food and no house now because it's you're so poor. true. I mean, I mean, you've been to many PT conferences, right? You go to a PT conference, and it's just like the nicest people in the world, yeah. you know, like they're just like a bunch of nice people being nice to each other. And like, it's, it's, it's a great environment. Um, and it's, it's something that I think the idea of sales comes off in a negative light, um, with that, that profession, with that personality type, because they are, uh, they're not getting into it for money. They're getting into it because they want to, um, have a, have a, uh, you know, a career that is personally rewarding and they want to be able to help people. And I, I think it's the best part of, of the, of the profession is the fact that we have so much personal satisfaction when we do. It's a, it's an amazing, uh, career. 
Uh, but you also deserve to be able to provide for your family. And if you're world-class at what you do, you deserve to make a really good income. And that, that comes from the business side that comes from the ability for you to communicate with people effectively for you to systemize your process for you to charge what you're worth and have the confidence to do so and then you know the only the, the only people that shy away from doing this are the ones that are not sure they can actually help people but mm -hmm. people that are amazing clinicians like they are sure of it so it's even more motivation for you to get them amazing outcome because they're paying you and they're paying you a premium upfront to solve a problem for them. So you have to become an even better clinician to be able to you know, thrive in an environment like that. How can people sign up for this thing, Danny? The, you know, or, the, the easiest that? place to kind of learn a little bit more yeah. about it. Cause like we actually don't, um, there, there's, there's nothing like there's, we don't even have a, we don't even have a site, uh, page for this at this point. Right. Like <clears throat> for us, um, we talk to anybody that's interested in join, you know, joining uh, this program because it's very much about the right fit for us as well. Only about half the people we talk to do we even, you know, offer an opportunity to, uh, you know, to work with it. So the easiest place to, to get started is either number one, um, head to Facebook and join our PT entrepreneurs, Facebook group. We're super interactive in there. You know, when you join, um, there's three questions. One of them is, do you want our team to reach out to you and, and, you know, like give you more information on what we have to offer. And if you say yes, one of our team members will, We'll actually have a conversation with you and, and just see where you're at. It's a, there's nothing you can buy on this call. Like it's, it's literally a, you know, 10, maybe 15 minute call. And the goal is, okay, what's the logical next step for you? Maybe it's one of the resources we have that's totally free that we can, you know, grant you access to. Uh, maybe there's modules that you need to watch that are appropriate for, for you at that time. Um, and they're going to point you to the right direction. Maybe it's talking to one of our coaches and seeing if that is the right fit. So that's probably the easiest place to go. The other place is if you go to physicaltherapybiz.com, at the top of that page, uh, we have a training. You can go and get signed up for that training. It goes through a deep dive of like our basically core tenets of what we teach people. Um, and after you watch that, you know, if it, if it resonates with you, then, um, you can go ahead and, and, uh, pick a time to, to chat with one of our, one of our coaches. And, and we take a deep dive on, on your business goals and on your business. So we really think of it more like, a like a business game plan of, of where you're at and where you're going and what skills you need and what you don't need. And in some cases we're the right fit for it. If not, uh, then we try to refer you to what is the best, you know, natural fit for that. Or maybe, like I said, it's just a free resource or it's uh, trainings that, that you need to kind of, you know, learn and start there. And, um, and then from there, you know, down the line, maybe it's appropriate for us to work together, but it's all about timing and the right fit. Uh, and that's, you know, for us, it's important because we don't want somebody just to give us money and not get an outcome. Like it's really about, um, ROI. It's about, uh, the, the right fit and it's about, you know, letting them, um, learn the skills that they need at the right time. And it's not always the right time to, to do that. You know, there's maybe some other things you need to do to build some infrastructure. Makes so much sense. So much sense. I love that you do things so differently, Danny. Like that's great. Like, I don't even that's have it. a, well, I, I think that's the key, right? Like, if, <laughs> if you look at what everybody else is doing, you say, no, fuck that. Like, yeah. I'm just going to do the opposite. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, I, look, I've, I've sold a lot of things online without talking to anybody. And I, I've, I've felt zero, you know, positive about that. Like, you know, we, we used to sell our, our, uh, our blueprint, our, we have our gym mm -hmm. BT blueprint program. Yeah. We don't even sell it anymore. And, and, you know, this, we've made hundreds of thousands of dollars off of this without, without physically working with anybody. Mm -hmm. And most people would say like, yeah. this is amazing. Let's just keep this going. Right. And for us, what we did was an audit on how many of those people actually did that, what the hell we wanted that, them to do. Danny, and it was way too low of a percentage for us to feel good about what we were Nailed doing. It. So we took it down, you know, and we were like, okay, 
we're going to redo this. We're going to rebuild a program that's going to actually help people get outcomes. And like, that's what it's all about, man. Like fulfillment is, is so important. Like money is money is whatever it is, what it is. It's necessary, but it's not the thing that makes you really, uh, feel good about, about what you're doing. Right. It's, 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 it's why people like physical therapy so much. And for us, when we didn't get a chance to be a part of that, that, uh, that journey, that, that development that people were having and, and they weren't getting the outcome that they want. And we weren't able to mentor them and be a part of that. We felt unfulfilled. And, you know, so, so is it the best business decision? No, like our sales process cost more than probably anybody else's sales process, but does it allow us to get people at the right time in the right programs and be able to have um, you know, a relationship with them and help them cultivate that and, and grow? Absolutely. You know, so we'll take that, we'll take that any day. And it also allows us to build relationships where people feel comfortable with us because they're getting such an amazing result where they want to work with us for a long period of time. Like our, 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 you know, retention rate of people that are in our mastermind is insane. Like there's certain yeah. people that will never, ever leave. Mm -hmm. Like it's, and, and so we know if, if we do an amazing job on the front end and, you know, build trust with you and you're getting what you want, you're naturally going to want to work with us, you know, longer. And that's just like the easiest sale in the world because people are like, holy shit, this was amazing. What else can, can we do? You know? So I think if you can look at things differently and ask yourself, not just, you know, about the money, but the outcome, what is going to get somebody the best outcome? As long as it, there's profitability there enough to line up with it, to support a business, you should go with the thing that's going to get somebody the best outcome over what's going to make you the most money at 10 times out of 10. Always do that. My man, my man, here he is always dropping the bombs since day one, cutting up magazines, telling us how to sell from that. And now I, I love the evolution. I'll never, I'll never, I mean, you never know, Danny. I told my wife the other day, my son, when I did that, uh, and if you don't know what we were talking about, I found a hustler in the woods and I sold it at school. Um, when I was in, uh, when I was in fourth grade and, um, my son's in third grade and I looked at him the other day and I told Ashley, I was like, Jack is one year away from selling, you know, nudie mag picks in the bathroom. And, uh, she, she, she looked horrified. <laughs> she, she was like, Oh my God, you're right. Uh, and I mean, I mean, by his age, I had absolutely seen a playboy, right? Like it was, it was, I don't think he, I don't know what he's seen, honestly, but I don't think he has. Video games, uh, man. So, so yeah, it's crazy when you start to see, you see like these, you know, little people that you have. And then all of a sudden you realize like, these are going to be adults doing crazy so shit one day. Wild. But, but he's, uh, this is one of the things I love reading your emails, uh, because they relate to your real life and you see the lessons that you are learning and teaching to all of us, you're also imparting on, on your kids. So it's not something you clearly believe in it and you value these things. But, you know, the email you sent out about uh, the lemonade stand or the knife, the knife sales that didn't happen. <laughs> <laughs> and then into the, the, the water stand at lemonade stand, the like high end LaCroix water stand and yeah. the, the lessons from that. Like, is this, I love this stuff. I love seeing the evolution of this. I love that you bring things in from your actual life, which means that you do value them. You do practice what you preach, which is, somewhat rare depending on the you know the company that people are keeping so everything you're well, doing to watch. like I, I watched my son for an entire day whittle down sticks and <laughs> and take painter's tape and and wrap them up to make uh, handles for these essentially shivs that he made um <laughs> and then try to sell them to people uh on the street like walking up and be like hey do you want to buy a homemade knife and one lady was like that sounds very dangerous. And I was like sitting on our porch, you know, and she looked at me like, I'm like the worst parent in the world. And, 
you know, so, and he just was like so down on himself. Like it's hard to watch, right? Like he's just like, oh man, I'm a failure, right? Like no one wants my knives. Like, uh, I, and I'm like, well, why do you think nobody wants them? You know? And he was like, I don't know. He's like, well, maybe people don't want a knife, you know, like what else would they, what they want? Right. He was like, well, I don't know. I was like, well, what do people need? He goes, water, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> I was like, well, maybe try that. Right. I sell some water. And then the next day, that's what they did. And, and I come to find out he actually didn't even sell them. He sent my daughter over there, uh, to the, the school across the street from our house. And Maggie actually made all the sales. He just collected the money and Look gave her the, at uh, this. Gave her, yeah, the cans. He didn't actually sell them. <laughs> and, and I was like, I kind of, in some way, I kind of find that maybe that's even better. I don't yeah. know. But, uh, yeah, he, she, she was hustling. <laughs> you just said earlier, like, find someone who can fulfill and who can deliver on this. That's yeah, what Jack did. figured that out, right? He did it. He was like, there's proof of concept here. Okay, now, uh, Maggie, you could go do this. <laughs> yeah, yeah. She was all about it. Somebody gave her $5 because they thought it was a fundraiser. Like, look, and, uh, he's smart. He's like, look at this adorable girl. Of course, they're going to give her money. Like, look at yeah. this. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, is there five bucks? It was like the vice president or vice principal of the school. And, uh, I was like, Oh crap. If they find out we're like, Maggie's like hustling on me. I don't know what he told. I don't know what she told them actually, but, uh, yeah, it's funny to watch your kids do stuff like that. And, and, um, yeah, they're just going to be like, I, I, I'm, I'm excited to watch them grow up and see what they see, what they do. And, and as hard as it is to watch them fail at things, I think this is just like employees are the same way. Like you got to let them sort of just make mistakes and, um, be okay with the fact that they're learning. And if you just like do everything for them, they just, they, they don't become very resilient. Right. But, um, yeah, the discomfort associated with that made the excitement of the sale that much better the next day. That's so good. Danny. just nonstop entertainment there. That's it. Nonstop. <laughs> you folks listening, we'll get everything in the show notes. Danny, one more thing. Where can they find you? Uh, I know you're not like on it a ton, but your stories are great. Where can they find you on the, uh, Instagrams? Yeah, I, I I struggle with social media because I have a love hate relationship with it. I know it's important to you know engage with people, but you know it's start it it really is. I find it distracting because uh, I kind of get obsessive over it, and then I have these <laughs> bouts where uh, I don't pay attention to anybody else, and then my wife is like, "Seriously, you're doing this shit again," and uh, and then I sort of shut it down. So I yeah, I'm on there sporadically. I definitely respond to all messages. I'll give you that. I kind of I'm, I'm probably more responsive on that than anything else. But um, yeah, it's just Danny Matei PT. M A T T A. I know we say our name weird, but, uh, Danny Matei PT is, uh, is it, yeah, you can go check, check it out. Um, yeah. Story stories, stories are great. like the only thing that I, I actually even try on anymore because, um, I You're think they're fun. Like they're yeah. entertaining. I actually, I enjoy those, that part of the platform more than and anything that's else. Honestly, it's honestly the most important part of the platform, which is why I, like I tell, I, fully commend and support what you're doing. I watch it. And for people that are out there that are like, how do I do this with my business? And people want to talk to people. People want to see other people. They want to see themselves. And so when you can share things like this and Danny's, you know, working out in the driveway with his kids and and Jack is carrying plates and he's doing like farmer's carries. (laughs) And I'm like, what? No shirt. I'm like, what is going on with this house? And it, it makes you feel, you know, relatable. It makes, it makes Danny a human. So it's a nice thing if you want to go check out and one, they're fun to watch, but just kind of seeing the story around the story. Cause you get to hear this guy, you get to see how his brain works and then you got to see him as like, as a human as he is. So you can check him out. Danny Matei PT. We will link all the things in the show notes. Danny, anything else you want to leave the people with? Nope. I just want to uh, just say thank you very much for having me on. I mean, I really appreciate it. I know you're basically a, a uh, superstar uh, at this point. So just the fact that, you know, you're willing to have me on your podcast a couple of times to chat about, 
business and, uh, and, and catch up. Like, it's just, uh, you know, I, 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 I'm very thankful, uh, to, to have the relationship with you that, that, that I do. And, and I appreciate the opportunity and, and um, yeah, you know, so just want to say thank you. I appreciate you. You're so very welcome, Danny. And I appreciate you so, so, so very much. So thank you for taking the time because you're a busy man. So thank you. It's good, man. Gets me, gives me a reason to get away from the kids at home all the time. <laughs> He's hiding downstairs. <laughs> <laughs> you folks listening, thank you. I know we know you could have been doing anything and you chose to listen to us. And for that, we are both endlessly, endlessly appreciative. I'm not going to ask for any likes or subscriptions or anything like that, although you folks have been doing that and I am so, so grateful. If you like this episode, if you love this episode, do me a solid and share it with somebody who you think it could help. Together, we rise. All right, officially wrapping it up. Until next time, friends, Dr. Danny Matei and Maestro, 